Good evening and greetings from a balmy sunshine radio. My name is Tosin, and this is They'll Make Him Like They Used To, your Friday night movie nostalgia show on Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. With me in the studio are my favorite, oh, well, my fellow favorite film, my fellow film connoisseurs. You just say me, just say Joe. No, 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 I will get this right. My fellow film connoisseurs. Hey. Yes, yes, from years gone by. So, we have Sean. Hiya. We have Sharon. Hello. And some other guy. Yeah, and the favourite that you were struggling to say. <laughs> and Joe. Hello. All right. Uh, just before we go into the show this evening, we have a couple of films also lined up for you, and we have a we're, we're, we are going to speak about that are from yesteryear that are brilliant and that you should actually well you should actually root out as some of us in the studio should do as well. I just like to mention our website. So um, we have just revamped the website here at Sunshine Radio. So if you go to Sunshine Radio I O W um, dot you will find the website where you can do things like make requests to be played on certain shows. You can get in touch with different shows and actually sort of just see a little bit more about what it is about. And also, um, today, uh, we also have a phone number on there which you can call. And today on the show, you can actually call in. And if you're listening right now and you call into the show, we will give you the number in a second. You can actually get on the show. Tell us what your film was. Tell us what either the, what the first film you ever saw the cinema was or tell us what your favorite film ever is. And now, with that out of the way, we shall move on. What we tend to do each week is we tend to pick films that we think are brilliant, are great. And this week, our first choice is by Joe. So, Joe, do you want to tell us what it is you've picked for us this week? Okay, I personally class this as, a, as a, one of the one of the greats, one of the classics. I mean, it's got an incredible lineup. It's got some uh, Hollywood legends in it. Um, beautiful music. A really um, special story. The sort of story that you think would make a classic, and yet. Um, Obviously, lots of people have seen it, but it's not one of those ones that people uh, will offer up as one of their favourite films. It's um, a lovely film from 1948 called Portrait of Jenny. It's an absolutely beautiful film, but it's weird. It's not an easy watch, um, but it stays with you. I think it's it's a film that once you've seen it, you will always remember it. it it's It's got imagery and it's got a certain yeah, haunting uh, soundscape to it. and And the story itself is kind of abstract enough for you to for it to finish and you go i could read that film in a number of different ways and it's entirely down to me how i do all right so how much of this can you tell us about what the film's about without spoiling the whole thing i can give you the setup to it okay um, basically there's uh, a struggling um painter play, uh, played by joseph cotton in depression era new york uh, he's not doing very well in his in his art uh, and one evening he's uh, walking through central park um, and he meets this old-fashioned girl, a girl called Jenny, uh, who basically they have a nice little chat, and uh, she says, can you, can you wait for me to grow up, please? She sort of has a crush on him, and she says, yeah, just, just hang on, let me grow up, let me catch up with you in age, and, and you know, which so, is lovely. So wait, so hang on, wait, when you say girl, you mean like what age? Yeah, like she's young, she's really young. Like what, 15, like Younger, 12? I'd say younger. Oh, like 10? Yeah. Oh, right, okay, cool. Gotcha. And they're just sort of nice little moment, and she's like, oh, wait for me to grow up. And he's like, yeah, that's very sweet. Uh -huh. And off he goes and draws a little sketch of, of, uh, of the girl, and then that inspires him uh, to paint, and um, his painting does rather well. Start, you know, starts to pick up, his success increases. <clears throat> and then uh, he sort of meets this girl again, um, Every now and then, in these in these weird moments, and, and every time she seems to be uh, growing up, 
rather fast, which is odd. And uh, and uh, it's clearly something's up. There's clearly something something weird going on. Yeah. Um, when she's obviously at a, at a respectable age, uh, they sort of fall in love. But she starts talking about events as if they're happening to her now, things that she's you know that, that she's experiencing in her life, which he's sort of thinking, hang on, that happened a long time ago. All right. This is a bit odd. I, I, you know, you're, there's a delay here. Something's going on. There's, there's two different time, time zones sort of clashing. Oh yeah. Um, and and yeah, that's that's kind of as far as I'm willing to go. I think w- oh. without ruining it. All right. Okay. It sounds like it. There's it has elements that have been taken into a whole bunch of other films. Oh, completely. Well, this was uh, based on a, a novella. Oh yeah. Which was um, written by a guy called Robert Nathan, um, and turned into the film. But I mean. Obviously, I'm going to try and bring Doctor Who into it, but it does feel like one of those standalone episodes of Doctor Who that goes for the romantic, and and it's time travel almost. Or, or like the one where he's he's in France and he's the guy in the fireplace or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. That's, I mean, that's where it, it seems to have come from. That kind of brilliant storytelling, and it's lovely. So they're like soulmates, and they're destined to be together. So she's drawn from her time into his to meet him at the right time. That's certainly what it seems to be saying. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like that other classic, that Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock starring movie, The Lake House. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but it sounds similar, like you know, different times and everything. But okay, but on a serious note, on a serious note, it's um because I'm thinking of like films that when you were mentioning when you're talking about the synopsis films that came to my mind things like the time traveler's wife yeah i was actually thinking the curious case of benjamin button yeah yeah um and well even when you wouldn't be topical there's the film that's in the cinemas at the moment age of adeline mm. good movie yeah mm. is it yeah it's i've, I've, I've it been wondering day. about it i've been wondering uh, because it seems like oh let's make a female benjamin button so mm. i wasn't too sure about that so it's so yeah but so do you know whether the guy who wrote this was he in any way a contemporary of um scott fitzgerald uh well this this guy was um the guy that wrote it was born in 1894 and died in the year I was born actually 1985 um so I, su- I suppose he was writing throughout right that, to about the same throughout time. that period yeah oh okay cool yeah. maybe it was something that was going around at that time because I think Wikipedia just describes the film as a supernatural mm. so I don't know romance which well, well first of all when you hear the word supernatural you think ghosts flying about the place and all yeah. that kind of stuff but is she a ghost is she an echo from the past that's somehow able to interact with him or or is there some actual physical crossover in, in time zones here what's going on is he the only one who interacts with her or does she yeah because in some films you think they want to bring it in but like with six cents the first thing you <laughs> notice that makes you think something's off here because that no one else talks to yeah. Talks to him. Uh, and on the second only viewing, one person talks to him, and you think uh, no uh, one else actually directs anything to him at all. But on the second viewing, I totally agree. It was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> on the first viewing, I didn't have a clue. Didn't you? Because I, I said within didn't. about five minutes, as I think he's dead. Oh, you're, you're a very <laughs> clever lady. Uh, well, no, I just thought no one looked at him. No one spoke. No one spoke to him. Yeah, I, thought, I just like to say for anybody who hasn't seen The Sixth Sense, shame on you. You are totally to blame yourself. Yeah. If Sharon just I've just spoiled it for you. If you just spoiled it for you, we don't know who's dead. We don't know who's dead. Well, I think everybody's dead in that film. There's lots of them. <laughs> no, what I was thinking when that the music played it, and the first that first line, it reminded me a little bit of the beginning of A Matter of Life and Death. I was thinking that, yeah. Well, that voice, he says, didn't it sound like this is the universe? It's yeah. big, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. And then it 
takes you into a time where, where it's not it's not controlled by time or yeah. but it is a film that, that goes after these very big ideas and it, it does try to put this very small intimate story into a much larger scope and, do you think it's a coincidence that both these films were like the late 40s after, after what we second know the world events war. of the second yeah, world war I, I imagine so where people are looking for because we had this rise in almost like an interest in spiritualism didn't you after the first world war and I think similar things sort of seem to happen after these major conflicts where people are looking for a sense that people who are lost are not gone from forever, mm. maybe. Well, the, the fact that the story's set in 1934, they've obviously put it... You know, Before, yeah. yeah. They've, they've set it in a time, a much simpler time and all the rest of it. It's well, they had the Depression, but they didn't have the... But they didn't have the death <laughs> The and death the and the bloodshed yeah. and the millions of tragic lives lost. It's got a great cast as well. I was going to say, yeah, I, was, I was just going to say about that, there's some... Um, <coughs> there's some Great, Joseph Cotton, great actors, isn't it? Yeah, don't Joseph he, we Cotton. don't hear a lot about him anymore, do we? Really, we tend yeah. to be a bit forgotten. One he's of those forgotten. He was in a few good <laughs> westerns, <laughs> a few good war films. Yeah. He was in. A f- he was. I just said before we uh, before we went live. Uh, one of my favourite Marilyn Monroe films was Niagara, which he was in. I think it gets very cruelly forgotten, and uh, I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, Lillian Gish, one of my other favourite <laughs> favourite women of all time, she's in it. Uh, Ethel Barrymore. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh another Stalwart. one of the Barrymore clan. Yeah. Does it? And cool. the, 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 I don't know if you remember back at around Christmas time, we talked about uh, one of my favourite Christmas films called Bishop The Bishop's Jingle Wife. All the way. The Bishop's <laughs> Wife, Tozen. The Bishop's Wife. This we did, you, you did say Jingle All the Well. I well. did say that, and I stick to it. Um, but The Bishop's Wife was actually written by the same guy. Ah. And not forgetting Jennifer Jones, of course, mm. who is Jennifer Jenny. Jones, yes. And links right. with last week, our love is a many splendid thing. That's right. It, 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 like what? I said, it helps to be uh, related to a rather powerful Hollywood. Uh, Indeed. Yeah, because he, he d- yeah. Yeah, her husband produced this film, didn't he, David O. Selznick? Yeah. Yeah, he, pr- he produced it. Yeah. Is she playing a white person this time? She is. She's playing <laughs> a woman called Jenny, <laughs> funny enough. I never know. Yeah, I never know. They could do something. They could have made her, I know, South American. They did that at that time. Anyone <laughs> yeah. yeah, with black hair could be South American in yeah. Hollywood. Did you ever see the time when I could a- be South American? Did you see the time when Ava Gardner played a black woman? Yes, in Showboat. In Showboat, yeah. <laughs> well, they used the Jim Crow rules, though, didn't they? Well, what was that? That was like if you had a single drop of black blood in you, you were classed as a Negro, according <laughs> to the law. And so they, so it doesn't matter if it was like a one grandparent out of eight or great-great-grandparent, it doesn't matter, if there's one of them in your family tree, you were counted in law as someone who was a Negro of heritage. Huh. So anyway. you had no rights under the law, in the law. Yeah, moving away from that touchy well, subject. Well, that's a bit, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> moving away from that touchy subject before I get on my soapbox. So, Joe, back <laughs> <laughs> back to... back to um, I was going to call it a dream of Jenny, no, a portrait of Jenny. <laughs> back to, uh, yeah, back to the 1948 fantasy romance time-travelling supernatural ghost story. Cornucopia. Yeah. Who, is, yeah. Is it, what's the soundtrack like? Is it's it absolute, nice music? absolutely is it? gorgeous music, yeah. yeah. Is it all like, like what we music? heard? I do. It's um, it's mainly Dimitri Chomkin, oh. um, but they take an awful lot of classical. There's a lot of Debussy. I, I thought it was Debussy as I mentioned yeah. in the, when I saw a little bit of it online. Which earlier. just, again, adds to the, the sort of really... The haunting, haunting quality haunting, of it. Yeah. Totally. And in the clip that we heard, who was that singing? Was that Jenny singing? That was Jenny singing this lovely little tune, which sort of comes back again and again, and which gets stuck in his head and gets stuck in your head. And even now, I could just be walk, literally walking down the high street in Newport, and I suddenly start, you know, humming the song from from uh, Where Portrait of Jenny. I am going. Exactly, it's very, very memorable, very catchy. And, and, uh, and at what age is she at when she's humming that? Um, that's is that first meeting or she's at a, a, a no it's I think it's the second meeting when she's at a slightly more 
acceptable age to be hanging out with Josie Cotton. You <laughs> <laughs> don't be one of those films. No, do you? no, no. <laughs> this is Lolita, a couple of decades before. It <laughs> yeah, but not as bad. Sorry, Kubrick made a bad film. I said it. <coughs> <laughs> oh well. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway. And, uh, and, uh, no, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's a bit run of the mill. I actually think the remake is a far superior film. But then it, it was in a time where it could be a far superior film. They get away with a lot more. But oh. the, the Jeremy Irons version, I actually love. Okay, okay, Sean, we're getting onto one of your one of your pet topics. There, if that's what we're going to be talking about. What? what what's, what's the pet topic? Remakes. remakes. Oh, remakes. <laughs> <laughs> remakes. It's going to save a minute. Remakes. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I thought like, you were yeah, going to pipe up. I thought you were going to pipe up and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's one of the few remakes that's actually better than the original. Uh, well, which is, yeah, remakes is always you, you a, were a away. bone of contention. Away on a cloud with Jenny. <laughs> I, I, I have to be totally honest, I've not seen you like Jenny, it you'll, so. you'll appreciate yeah, it yeah I think I don't think, I don't think any of us black and white it's black and white black I don't think any of us have seen it but but Joe and so Joe who directed this do you know it's a chap called William Dieterly I believe is how you pronounce his name I might, might be completely wrong there okay um, he, he was a, a, a director of note around the sort of 30s and 40s mainly uh, any idea what else he did uh, yeah he made um, I don't know if you've seen um, a film called the name actually escapes me. Uh, it's uh, Peking Express. He was in Peking Express. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, just oh, one question. One quick question. Um, uh, just before before we move on, James, who runs the show, before we before we come on, he he sort of called me in and he he ran like a quiz where he played some clips from some old movie that and see whether it was a 1930s movie and he tried to see whether I could guess it. I, I could I'd never heard of this film before. Have you guys heard of a film called Dream of Cars? Dream of Cars. Nineteen nineteen what? Nineteen thirty five, he said it was. Doesn't mean it go ping, does it? Yeah, it was like a dream of cars. He said he put a search in for classic movies and this had come up in nineteen thirty five. A British movie in nineteen thirty five called A Dream of Cars. Car of Dreams? Uh is it nineteen thirty five? There's a car of dreams from nineteen thirty five. Is it is it uh, John Mills? He didn't tell me anything. He didn't know anything else. He just looked it up. Hmm. It might, Car yeah. of Dreams of John Mills. Um, <coughs> and uh, I think that's the only person I can I can remember. About a, about a factory worker. Who wants to buy a car? Is this something about him buying a car? A Rolls Royce. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's the film. Yeah, that's he even gave me the wrong title. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Car of Dreams. Uh, it's, a, it's a comedy from 35. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like a comedy from some of the clips that he played, he played me. <laughs> so it definitely sounded like it. Yeah. All right. Um, and now we've come to... Uh, well, thanks. Uh, Joe, is there anything else you want to say about Portrait of Jenny? If you haven't seen it, see it. Uh, yeah, it definitely makes me want to go see it. It's a lovely film and it'll stick with you. It really genuinely will stick with you in, in your mind for a very, very long time. All right, cool. And now... Each week we have a quiz, a movie legend quiz, where we have um, a couple of clues about a movie legend, and Joe comes up with these clues that we pepper throughout the show, trying to make sure, you know, and we, with the rest of us, try and guess exactly who it is that he has that for us this week. So, Joe, what is our first clue? Very, very short, and very, very simple. Uh, this screen legend refused to wear makeup. Refuse mm. to wear makeup. That's all I'm giving you to start with. Okay. All right. I'm thinking. 
probably no makeup, no makeup. And you think that's for screen legends, and they usually have been around a while, that's quite a thing to refuse to wear makeup. Yeah, it'll probably have to be something like it was a medical condition uh, with skin, like the guy from Wizard of Oz or something like that. Mm. Not a clue. Yo, no, no, no clue. I mean, no, no. I'm just thinking of various maybe tough guys who are thinking, I don't wear makeup because I'm manly. <laughs> well, that's the only thing that I'm thinking of, a manly man. Yeah, I'm thinking that, that ooh, oh, maybe. No, no, he wore makeup. No, John Wayne definitely wore makeup. All right. Cool. Okay, that's 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 a head mm, scratcher to begin with. Is. Thank you very much, Joe. Okay. We shall come back to that. <laughs> no makeup. No makeup. All right. Now... In this next section of the show, what usually happens is I play an interview from uh, from somebody who I've spoken to in the hospital today. Unfortunately, due to some body issues of my own, I couldn't make it into the hospital and I couldn't actually speak to anybody. So what we're doing is that we're opening, we, we'll continue with the show as we usually do, but we're opening up the phone lines and for the next half hour, feel free to interrupt us at any point whatsoever. Give us a call and say... Hey, hi, um, this is a film that I saw that I think is great. Oh, I think what you're saying is rubbish. I saw Portrait of Jenny and I thought it was haunting as well. I have that song in my head now for the rest of the day. Thank you very much, Joe. Whatever it is you want to say, please do feel free. And the number to call is, um, obviously it's an Isle of Wight number, so it's 01983-534-396. That number again is 534-396. If that was too close for if that was too quick for you, you can find it on our website, which is sunshineradioiow.com. So, um, yes. Thank you for that. Now, moving on, we have another film choice this evening. And Sharon, you've chosen this film. Which film have you chosen for us? I've chosen a film going back to the fifties. And it's uh, the extraordinary sight of a singing and dancing Marlon Brando. <laughs> so I couldn't resist choosing Guys and Dolls. <laughs> oh, guys and dolls. Oh, my, I love this. Okay, anyway, I'm going to play something now that comes from quite close to the beginning of Guys and Dolls, and it sort of sets up the idea of the kind of people who are going to meet in Guys and Dolls and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, then after that, we shall have a bit, of, a bit of a chat about a singing, dancing Marlon Brando. Who've, who ever thought that that would be a thing? <laughs> Epitaph. I got the horse. I got the horse right here. His name is Paul Revere. And there's a guy who says if the weather's clear. Sorry. So. I love that. I love that. It was, that this is such a great movie, isn't it? Because there's so many good songs from it. We all have to say our favorite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I think have I, a guess. Okay. I think they are, they are love. Okay. So favorite song, Sean. Have a guess. Uh, Luck Be A Lady. Yeah. Straight away. <laughs> Sharon. I like the one with the, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's the one where that Gene Simmons sings when they're in Cuba. About the bells, I can hear. Oh, yeah, the bells. The bells. Ding dong, ding dong, ding. Ding dong, ding dong, ding. That's yeah. it. That's one of my favourites. <laughs> okay, Joe? I don't know. They all blur into one. <laughs> I, I don't know. To, to be totally honest, I only asked you out of politeness. Okay, well, you didn't really care what I would say. Uh, uh, what's that? That no, little no, that bit is of the instrumental knew, bit I, between scene three and seven. There you go. That, no, that is that I knew what you would say, which is, oh, I'm going to say musical. <laughs> <laughs> 
stop rocking the boat as well. I like oh, that. Oh, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. I dreamed last night I was on a boat to heaven, and by some chance I had brought my dice along. Great song. Great song. Yeah, I think my favorite song is probably it's between it's between Sumi and Adelaide. <gasps> Sumi, Sumi, she yeah. bullets through me. Yeah, I yeah. Like th- and um, is there one sung by Gene Simmons? Adelaide's Lament. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, Gene Simmons sings a couple in it. That would that'll be one of my favourites. Just put that down as the best. Well, well she sings, Follow the fold and say, Strain no oh, more. Strain no more. Strain no more. Put down the bottle and Great impression. No more. They're away. They're away. Yeah, because turn the mics off and have a coffee. The thing is, I think Guys and Dolls actually has a special place in my heart because I made a documentary about Guys and Dolls. Wow. Well, yeah, it was for my, my course. My final course, the uh, final thing was you had to make a 30-minute documentary about science. And so we had a group of science students who every summer would put on a show and take it down to a village in Devon called Budley Salterton. I'm actually trying to get them to come. I know Budley Salterton. You know Budley Salterton? Yeah. Great Budley place, Salterton. isn't it? How is he, old Budley? Oh, Budley's brilliant. <laughs> right, is he? I, I nice love, guy. I love Budley. Part of uh, folk country down there. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually thinking of getting these guys to come to the island because they might not be going to Budley for that much longer. But it's... Uh, but uh, And I made this doc- documentary all about them, so follow them through their rehearsal process, through all through the opening so night. You, that's why that. you know every word. So yeah, every I know, song. I know like every word of this uh, from this musical almost backwards. It's just, it's just, it's just sort of like in the head. But okay, let's let's go the back. Story. To, so let's let's go to the story and at the beginning and uh, because it's, it, this this whole thing kicks off with uh, a bet, a, fl- a, a bet, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. The two principal characters you've got Nathan Detroit, who's played by Frank Sinatra, who's an inveterate gambler, mm-hmm. and you've got Sky Marston, who is a gambler from out of town who pops into New York, played by Marlon Brando, mm-hmm. and they, Nathan Detroit is always short of money, so he makes a bet with Nathan with Sky Marston about just a cheesecake in a in a restaurant, <laughs> and then he loses the bet, but he says, ah, but this is you know, it's a sucker bet. Yeah. You're never going to win that bet. Yeah. So this is a proper bet. Is you know a, chat, a, a bet that you know it has to be more challenged to it. Mm-hmm. And so then Nathan Troy bets Skymaster that he can't take the the local Salvation Army lady, this you know, upright, button down, devout Christian, devout lady. Christian lady, t- take her to to Cuba with him. Yeah. And so that's the bet. He has to take this lady to Cuba. For, they don't say what for what purpose. Just but they had to take her out. Yeah. And and that's played by and the the, the Salvation Army lady is played by Jean, the lovely Jean Simmons. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, you see Marlon Brando in hot pursuit of Jean Simmons' character, and then you also see Nathan Detroit watching on. Yeah. And then as a side story, there's his issue that Nathan is a bit marriage shy, and he's been <laughs> engaged to his fiance for seventeen years. Seventeen years, <laughs> and. <laughs> And she wants to get married. <laughs> She's desperate to get married. And Adelaide. he's like, and Adelaide, yeah. And she, he is desperate to avoid it, basically. <laughs> so you've got these two parallel love stories: this hot pursuit, and then this hot, you know, retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 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 that's a great phrase. Yeah, hot, retreat. hot retreat. Ooh. I've never Sounds heard anybody like come a screwball comedy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hot, retreat. Day. <laughs> hot retreat. <laughs> <laughs> And so yeah, and as yeah, you, each, each key point of their their relationship, they they sing about it, or as you do, this is the story. As you do in real life, that exactly. I, mean. I sing about everything all the time. <laughs> sure. What do you like about Guys and Dolls? Because you seem you seem quite enthusiastic about yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, the, the, there's some great songs and there's some great actors. I mean, and uh, it's about a 
craps game and I, if I was to, I'm a bit of a You're gambler, a gambler. I do like to gamble yeah. and craps is just like the, the, the uh, most exciting game I think when it comes to gambling it's snake just like, eyes yeah it's always so so exciting and uh, that's why you like luck be a lady it's exactly. all about the crap game <laughs> that isn't is it? when he comes out and the way he's moving around big know, Julie be a li- yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I really like it there's a I know another I brought film my called own dice dis- but yeah. they're blank I remember all the spots were I remember were. where the spots were <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's, there's, I know it's another movie, The Cincinnati Kid, but there's the one of my favourite bits in it is when he's throwing the dice. You know, um, Steve McQueen, that is. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's oh, throwing the dice so with, the, yeah. with the small small kid. like. But, uh, yeah, no, back to the film. I mean, it's just it's just a fun fun movie. I, I, it's been on the stage a few times as well, I should think. Oh, yeah. I, I saw never it on the stage. stage, stage yeah, Did you see it on stage? Yeah, I saw it at Southampton. It was good? It was good. And it was the guy from EastEnders was in it. Oh, um, yeah. Was, I'm trying to think of the name. I can't remember his name, but I know the way he's Harmon, Simon Harmon. Nigel oh, Harmon. Nigel Harmon. Yeah. He was Guy Masson in it. Very good. No, I don't. Though I did have a, I had a cousin it moment during the, the, the one I was watching it, so that was a bit difficult. Well, I had a lady who had very, very long hair, oh. kept putting her head on her boyfriend's shoulder. So instead of having like a nice gap between them, I had like this, just a halo of hair <laughs> in front of me. So I called it like my cousin it experience because all I could see was just this mass of hair. Well, you had a thing moment and slapped him around the head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting to, you know, doesn't matter how you sort of go, <laughs> that's a great name but though Nathan Detroit sorry, Nathan Detroit no, 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 uh, that's what I was going to say that you do have great names of characters in the show you have Nathan Detroit I, I, I personally I really like Sky Masterson Sky Masterson yeah. Sky Masterson and, and it's even like and it's I think the dialogue which I think a lot of it is because it's, it's based on a you're saying a novella by Damon Damon Runyon ba- Damon Runyon and a lot of the ways that they talk I'm, I'm sure some of it must be taken straight from the way it, it's like it the way, the way that they talk must be taken straight from this of from the way he wrote this sort of highly stylized. Yeah, because it's made like, in the fifties, but it's set obviously during that when gambling was illegal. So presumably during that whole prohibition type yeah, era, yeah, I'm yeah. assuming. So it's obviously not. It's set out of its own time yeah, frame. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, you have this. Yeah, and in so the book, it's, a, it's a very stylized version of like it looks. It yeah. looks maybe like the twenties in New York yes, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because in the book it talks about you know you know it talks about a woman saying like hey, she had legs up to there and she had eyes that were like that and she I couldn't believe uh, her when she opened up the door yeah. <laughs> it was all that stuff Dames and he and had a broads. face like a woman he had a face like it hit a bus a few too many I, times I often wonder what the difference was between a dame and a broad I mean you know so. I, I think dames are classier supposed oh, to be right. okay yeah. yeah that makes sense that makes yeah sense. I, I think I think a dame is kind of like the woman in the it's like the femme fatale in a film noir. Uh-huh. And abroad is kind of like you know the one who stays at home and is like loyal to the hero. Ah, oh, and, and does married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially the the broad the broad doesn't tend to get the guy killed. The dame does. Ah, that makes. <laughs> She's more sense. dangerous. Thank you. Yeah, I I, th- I think that. And think a doll, they're just nice. Aren't they? A doll, yeah, yeah. Uh, for instance, Adelaide in the film, uh, uh, she's just brilliant because she's just such like she's like one of these like lovely, sweet characters with a voice that could be annoying, but it comes yeah. just the right side of annoying <laughs> and stays just within the sweet Nathan. zone. Nathan, yeah, Nathan, yes, dear. <laughs> what we uh, what we keep finding is that these these great films are directed by very much the same people yeah. right? again and again and again. I, mean, I was talking about all about <laughs> Eve a few weeks back. It's the same director. Joseph oh, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. yeah. I mean. It's back then they were just so good at what they did. You see, yeah. you see now. If if I was allowed to make choices on this show, I would choose one of his. It would be the first one I would put in there because yeah. I've just suddenly thought of another song that's just come up my head. What? Which one would you choose? Letter to Three Wise. The, it's either the year or is it the year before or the year after? It was forty nine. Yeah, all about Eve. 
All About Eve. Yeah, that yeah. was the year after 50. Yeah, it's no, that is a brilliant yeah. film. It's yeah, yeah. such a good film. But anyway, so hang on, what were we saying? I may choose it on your Guys behalf. And <laughs> uh, yeah, have to be on the list. Yeah, yeah. You were, yeah, but you were saying something specific about guys. Oh, I was going to say also the performances, I think. I think this is one of the first films I saw Sinatra acting, even though, well, he does kind of act. He, he doesn't just show up and be himself. He, he, yeah, he's he's yeah. Nathan in this, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think I think he's quite different from the the usual Sinatra character you have in this. And Marlon Brando is just kind of yeah. I, I want I I want to know what the discussion with his agent was that led to him being in this film. Well, I was actually thinking about this, and I think it's part of a long tradition of like these so-called like tough guy or these serious actors who will do a, like a light film or do a musical. Because I I met a few Doctor Who down. There's like James Cagney who did Yankee Doodle Dandy, uh-huh. when he was known for gangster roles, but he suddenly came out in the middle of his, like, part of his fame and did this Rip Roar musical. Yeah. And then in more recent times, we have, like, Richard Gere, who also has been, like, a serious actor, who did a musical in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then more recently, Tom Cruise. Oh, who yeah. Who was in Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, yeah. So you've got these people like, who think of themselves like they're serious actors or they're action heroes or mm-hmm. they're tough guys yeah. and yet they they do these musical roles I couldn't think of any more I'm sure there'd be some more, some more out there yeah, Shawnee can you think of any where there's um, like a tough no, guy actor in a musical no I can't really not at the moment yeah. um, but I'm sure there'd be others out there where you think what's he, do- or, you know, yeah, what's he doing in a musical it, but it just feels it feels like okay help me out here but it does feel it feels if you look at Marlon Brando's like you know filmography or his movie CV I think Guys and Dolls sticks out I think I think it it does stick out because I don't think he did many more comedies. I don't think he did many more musicals. It was just kind of like this one time when he just decided to do it. I and have I have thought of one. Oh, yeah. um, paint your wagon. You've got two in there. Oh, yeah. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. Yeah. Lee Marvin. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Clint Eastwood is quite good, really. Isn't love it? that film. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a cracking one. That is a cracking film. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 did I, you ever see the Simpsons episode where they had Paint Your Wagon? Or? I haven't seen that one. No, <laughs> I'm going to have to check that one. It's it's kind of like it's it's essentially the family go along to the video store. Obviously, back in the days when you still had video rental stores, and they go along to the video store and they're trying to film pick a film, and Homer's trying to avoid like you know a girly musical film and everything like that and they're like how about this film paint your wagon he's like who's in it is that lee marvin and clint eastwood's like oh lee marvin he's always annoying he's always ready to shoot something and then they put the video in (laughs) and he's like what what's this and then he has he has like you know lee marvin there and lee marvin sort of comes on has like a paintbrush and starts going i'm gonna paint this wagon he's like wait What's happening? And then Clint Eastwood <laughs> shows up. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, Clint Eastwood, he's going to shoot yeah. him in the face. I told you the truth. And then yeah. he starts singing as well. And Homer's just so confused. He's like, what, what is going is on? got two action stars. Yeah. Why are action stars singing? <laughs> now, okay, that's what I'd love to see. Uh, essentially, I'd love to see Fast and Furious, the musical. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd like, I watch anything with, well, you know, it's my guilty pleasure, but I would watch anything with Dwayne Johnson in it. The Rock. <laughs> I know it's wrong. I just can't help myself. I reckon if what if we made guys and dolls, but had Vin Diesel and The Rock as Sky Masterson and Nathan? <laughs> I'd watch it. That's preposterous as Fast and Furious Seven, wasn't it? As long as The Rock plays Sky Masterson, it actually it actually works because you can have all the different people in the entourage being like nice and nicely Johnson and like. Who would be Sarah though? Who would be Sister Sarah? Of, of Jordana Not Michelle Brewster. Rodriguez. She's a little bit too tough. Yeah, no, no. Bru- that'll be Jordana Brewster, the 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 one who who's with Paul Walker in the films. Ah, okay. Yeah. 
I could oh. see. I, yeah. Oh, the Brazilian one. I, I could see Vin Diesel being called Harry the Horse. Harry, <laughs> Harry the Horse, and, and yeah, what thirty-two and arrests and no convictions. That one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nicely, nicely, Johnson. Nicely, nicely, Johnson. Okay, cool. All right, this is obviously we think this is a great film. I think I think it's hard. It's it's hard to find people who argue with this film. But we'll just play one more song from this film and then we're going to move on to the next quiz um, question. So this is Frank Sinatra singing the song that's called Guys and Dolls, even though it doesn't actually... Well, anyway, here's Frank Sinatra. Ah, but you can give us forever That the guy's only doing it for some doll, some doll, some doll The guy's only doing it for some doll Aww. Aww. Anyway, you like that one, don't you? I, I do like that one, yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe, clue number two, please. Okie doke. Right, uh, so we know that this screen legend refused to wear makeup. Uh, I'm now going to give you a quote from this screen legend. I'm a character actor. The public never knows what it's going to get from one film to the next. I therefore represent a thoroughly insecure investment. Hmm, more mysterious. So, somebody who didn't wear makeup and liked being a little bit of a rebel by the sounds of things. Well, or at least was different enough in all of their performances um, to not be a, a. You wouldn't. To be totally unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah, or perhaps unpredictable in, in how they were going to portray certain, uh, certain characters. But certainly, character actor. Mm, a character actor because you see when you say that the first thing that comes to mind is Johnny Depp but he's not well maybe when he dies but um, so far not yet not quite a legend I would say ooh he's been quiet yeah I was going I was thinking (laughs) further back in time I never know I never know (laughs) I never know with uh, Joe he's always got that look he always throws oh dear He's as tricksy as a Trixie, little he is. He us. <laughs> okay, cool. At least we'll have more time at the end for for this. Um, hmm. So, any ideas, guys? Nothing. I think. I don't know. I I'm just trying to think. I was th- I, don't know, I was thinking of someone like Peter Lorre, but then he's a character actor who you wouldn't bank. You wouldn't be. It's not a bankable name though. No, he was. He wasn't really a bankable name. So I'm thinking he maybe he's too of a and character actor. And each time he showed up, he was the Peter Laurie character. He was like, oh hello. Hello, yeah. <laughs> and I think he did wear makeup on occasion. So I just suspect. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Weekends <laughs> usually. So yeah. he's really it. famous. This guy and never wore makeup in any movie. In any movie. Or was he? I wasn't personally there. No, to no, no. This. But was he made up in it? Like to make? Was he made up? Like Dracula like, or something. Yeah, yeah, was it I mean, was he like some sort of monster or something like that where it was not makeup to make him look pretty, but makeup but like a to beard. Not that I'm aware of. Not that you're aware of, okay. Vincent well, that Price throws my guy out then. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent Price, are you just gonna say that every week until you get it there? No, no, no. Actually I'm gonna go back to Ingrid Bergman because I said that every week. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman! It was always wrong. It was always wrong. And today is the day. Today (laughs) is the day. Okay, cool. Right. So now we're going to move into a section of the show called um, Exception to the Rule. The rule being they don't make them like they used to. We pick a film that has been released after 1980 that we still think this is good enough at any point in time in film history. They would look at this and go, wow. So, Sean, this is your regular section. What have you chosen for us today? <laughs> okay, um, this, uh, most reviews I've read, most people that I've spoken to have said th- that what a great movie it is. There's probably one or two people that 
I'm not quite so sure, really? but the film is <laughs> it's, it's it's out now at the moment, and that is um, Mad Max Fury Road. And Who wouldn't seriously? The people didn't like that. <laughs> well, not Who saying didn't like think, it, but well, they didn't think it was as good as as everybody's going on. I, I don't believe you. Nobody yeah. would say anything <laughs> other than that it was an absolutely fantastic action film. Surely. Yeah, surely. yeah. That, what about Sharon? I still haven't seen it. Oh right, but okay. you would say it was great. You would if say you it was great. It. What about you, Sharon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's amazing. I've seen it twice already, and I'm due to see it a third time. Yeah, we're going to see it next week. I intend to enjoy it. Yeah, you probably, I'm sure you would. I'm yeah. sure you'd love it. Yeah. I intend to go and go, wow. Tozen. Yep. Have you seen it? I have seen it. <laughs> I have seen <laughs> it. You're and not I, sure, I, I, are you? I have been walking around. I've been walking around essentially trying to get people to explain to me what is so great about it. Why is this film so good? Why do people keep saying, oh, yeah, great film, great film, great film? Because while I think it has great action scenes in it, and I think that there's some things in it that are quite good, I don't understand why it's been so fated. I don't think it is, I don't think it's as brilliant because almost everything I've seen about it has said five star movie. Everything I've seen about it has said great thing, one of the best things, best film of the year, blah blah blah. And uh, okay, going back to what I said about this section when we talk about exception to the rule, I can imagine that if they'd seen this film, let's say 40 years ago, anything like that, they would have been blown away just by the spectacle that's on the screen. And I'll give you the I'll give you that. It is there are bits of it that are spectacular. They're like the chase scenes across the desert and everything like that. The design of it is brilliant and all that kind of stuff. I just don't feel like it holds together as a film. I think it's like it's it's almost like a series of vignettes which might be good on their own or like a short film or something like that. But as a whole film it doesn't really hold together. And then the end of what happens towards the end of the film, for me kind of like negates everything that has gone on for the first hour and a half yeah exactly yeah someone, someone else actually said that to me that was it's kind of like why the heck did you do all that if you're just gonna do that i didn't well, even well, care so, <laughs> I, I suppose they thought there was something there and it wasn't until they were told well, you know they, they yeah, thought but, there was some some green okay or, okay, okay do, but so, i always think a way you can define if you think a film is really good is if you f- lose track of time and if you immerse yourself completely in what you're seeing hmm. What? And so if it's one of those films that when you, as soon as you sit down and it starts, then someone could, you know, someone has to tap you on the shoulder to get your attention because mm. your eyes are on the screen. Mm. If that's the case, then I think that's one of the definitions for okay. me of what's a good mm. film. What, what I thought was really good about it, it's, it's not necessarily a remake, a prequel, anything like that. It could be in some sort of, you know, you know this post-apocalyptic universe and, and it's just an episode in... In Max's life, really, but it, but it didn't suffer from didn't not suffer. being tied That's down to a and, particular point. And that point. is what is so good about it. You didn't it, even I think. think when is this? Yeah, you just accepted what was happening. Is this before? Is this after? Is he it? supposed to be the same Max that we see in the other Mad Max, yeah. or, well, or is it not it, relevant? It, no one ever says anything about. It. No one ever draws attention to it. It's just like there's Max. Off we go. Yeah. Well, essentially, this is a film that um, the the director George Miller. He's had the the storyboards and everything like that for run about thirty years, and he wanted to make this as the fourth Mad Max movie, thirty years ago with Mel Gibson. But I think by that time, the Mad Max franchise wasn't particularly... Well, it, it had sort of like tailed off a bit. Oh, Tina, Tina Turner number, ruined it, number, <laughs> number three was just like... <laughs> Thank you, Tina. Mm. So, it's, so it, I think it tailed Her off... hair was nice. I think, yeah, I we think didn't it, need another hero, did we? I think, I think it tailed <laughs> off a bit. Uh, and um, they decided that it wasn't as bankable. And so they, they, did, they weren't, they weren't going to give him the money to make a third Mad Max movie. but A fourth Mad Max movie. But essentially, this is him fulfilling his vision of God knows how many years finally making the Mad Max movie that he wanted to make. And now yeah. he's making another one. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, that, that great. seems to be likely. Um, uh, there's some great, and there's some great names in this movie, some great characters in there, the names of them. I mean, well, like Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe and, and it was, it was, all sorts of things. 
Toast the Knowing. Yeah, it was fun <laughs> just watching the credits. Cheeto the Fragile, the Bullet Farmer, the People Eater. It's just like, you know, the Doof Warrior. It's <laughs> brilliant. The Doof Warrior. <laughs> the Organic Mechanic. I want to see a spin-off from the Doof Warrior. Yeah, the Doof Warrior sounds pretty cool to <laughs> Mad me. Max, the Doof yeah. Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> and then Morton Joe is just like, well, you like that. That's, oh, I, that's I might great. have to start that's well, you that. Well, well, as we said, well, as we said, it's it's all um, uh, it, well, shared universes are all the rage nowadays. So they could do it. What I would say, uh, Tozin, well, the reason why I was so impressed with it is because it's the sort of film that you would, you should feel grateful was made. Because it isn't standard, it isn't traditional, it, it isn't scared to go to go weird and to, to sort of be a little bit odd and to, to no, I'll, no, I'll, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. Yeah. And, and when a film does that and comes out with a fairly sizable budget and 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 you know and, and is good, it needs to be supported and and that's why. Because otherwise, it's sending a signal to Hollywood that we want everything to be transformed <laughs> as form, and we don't. We want it to have a little bit of soul. And, and although it was weird, it was certainly individual and it, it had its own style, its own soul. And I think. Very important. Oh well, yeah, but it's if it, yeah. I mean, think if, yeah. Talk about it having a soul. Uh, <laughs> 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 it did. It was very different, wasn't it? It wasn't well, copying anything I'll, except its own. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, right? It, it definitely has. The thing with the film is that it it has. Oh, I, I was watching the film and I I felt like it was George George Miller who made the film. I felt like he had a plan. He had he has this world he's built in his head. He knows what's going on, but he's not really telling me. Yeah, but that's so, great because I don't want to see what's going on. I don't so, want Michael Bay's sweeping shots, like showing me the <laughs> devastation and what the world's like from space. I want to see a little weird My, group of weirdos yeah. in one destroyed it's, corner of the earth fighting for a bit of water. Because when you think about it, in a dystopian future, you're only ever going to see your piece of the exactly, world, aren't you? Exactly, and that's why George Miller's sort you of You don't know wasteland. the whole picture, you're only ever going to see yeah. your little bit of it. And the moment you see any more than that, it's sort of ruined. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, I don't. Because your need world to... shrinks, isn't it? That's the whole point of these dystopian films: yeah. is that is the world shrinks. Yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> the thing is, I think that that's that's all well and good. That's all well and good. I'm willing to accept that. <laughs> the thing is, uh, uh, I'm willing to accept that. I, I don't want to know what's going on outside there. I'm talking about this little bit where, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about this I'm talking about this little bit that we are seeing, the, the little bit that we're seeing. It's kind of like there's just stuff going on that is just kind of like, well, what's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, there, I don't, I don't want. Gone. Yeah, but it, it doesn't. I still don't think it holds together. I mean, for me, I, I mean, everybody's going about five, five out of uh, five out of five star films. I think it's a three out of five star film. It, it, mm, it's, right. a, it's a okay. four for me. I think it's the greatest film of all time. I'm just thinking, just so achieved so much. It's, it's, it's you, you've got to see it though, because you know, I'm hoping I mean, to see it in uh, this week, hopefully. Yeah. But there is, I have got competition with the Moomins film is out this week. So there is competition. <laughs> but yeah, I'm intending all... to see it. But one of the things that reminded me when you're talking about that is like in John Wyndham's novels, because everyone accuses him of like having a cosy catastrophe. But what it does is like it narrows and narrows and narrows the world down. So you only ever see your little bit of it. Unless and you're then, blind. And, yeah. And then, and, and, but you, you don't know what's going on in the rest of the world because yeah. that, that doesn't yeah. exist as far as I'm concerned. Your yeah. world is your 20 miles around where you are. Yeah, that's going to be your world. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm thinking there's, there's more or less zero character development from anybody in this film. There's I think there is quite a lot in Max himself um, if you take into account the previous three films. Well, I think he grows an awful lot. If you take in, into account what's come before and where he finds himself in this film, I think that's okay. the important thing. All right. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy on. A, I was trying to find the interview, but I kind of of, of um, who said Mad Max is one of his favorite films, 
and that he was going to be going along to watch this. So in memory of him, we are going to play this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we'll be back in like so four did, minutes. Did we play this a couple of weeks ago? Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. The best thing about the Mad Max franchise, Tina Turner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you see? Did you see the the sort of eighties versions? Um, I've seen um, I've seen bits of the first one. I've seen like the bits of the, at the end of the first one, which I think is actually. Well, when I talk about like you know character development and everything, I think that there's a moment in the first one that really just tells me a lot about the Max character, uh-huh. and in a in a large way, in this new one, he's mo- he's mostly sidelined, and it's um it's a bit where he he handcuffs a guy to something, and then he gives him a choice between cutting through the chain of the handcuff and cutting through flesh, and then walks off, and then the thing blows up, and that for me, I was like, oh, why? That tells me quite a bit about the character. But the thing is, that in this film, you don't get to see any more of the world. You don't get to see much of Immortan Jones. Thing that he's built up around himself all you really see is a straight line in the desert that they run along and that's that's what i mean about i'm not talking about what's going out and the rest of it i'm talking like for instance even in man rex 3 you got to see the thunderdome mm-hmm. you got to see other things but this one you saw a straight line and a desert road but anyway um we are almost out of time oh dear oh, <laughs> we are almost out of time so sorry about that guys sorry sorry to sort of like just sort of like um give myself the last word but hey that's okay no fine so joe just joe could you please give us um, as many clues as we need to get this? Guess who this person is? As many clues as we need, or you need? <laughs> right. Okay. Although they were somehow never actually given a knighthood, uh, this screen legend was awarded the Golden Seal, which is England's most prestigious film honor. Okay. That was going to be the third clue, and the final clue: um, one of the very few guests which Stanley Kubrick allowed to visit the set of The Shining. He made an exception for this particular screen legend uh, who had memorably acted for Kubrick in 1962. Uh, in, in one of his most controversial. Okay, films. I got it. I got it. I got it. I haven't. I got it. Um, Due to lack of time, I'm just going to go ahead. Well, actually, wait, because I'm pretty sure I've got it. What does everybody else think? <laughs> hmm. Who do you think she is, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs> you just call her Shannon again. Shat- oh, yeah, it's close enough. Don't worry. Shannon. I've been called worse. But I know you really well. Come on, it's Sharon. <laughs> okay. Any idea? No. Malcolm Aldowell. Ooh. Well, I was thinking, cause, but then he had makeup on in Clockwork Orange. He had that little funny eye he used to put on mascara, didn't he? So. Yeah, yeah. So, because, I mean, I did think that. I was thinking Kubrick, and then I was thinking maybe Peter Sellers, but, but he was actually in it and didn't visit. That was... 1962. What uh, Stanley Kubrick film is 1962? Know, actually, wait, no, okay, 1962. Okay, yeah, actually. The top oh, was good later, Lord, jo- Sean, you might be right, but because I said it first, I'm going to stick with Malcolm McDowell. I, I'm just thinking along the lines. Uh, let me just think. Who no, else would have been said, there? Think, Visit the set. Of, you yeah. said 60. Think of Kubrick films from 62 that were controversial. Oh, you, we've spoken about it. James Mason. Hey! You said when you were talking about... Oh, I was oh, going to say, Lolita. we talked about oh, Lolita yeah. earlier in the program. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't have you understood that, together. Like, that, one, that one, you've done that really, really good because I that was the other way. You flipped it round then. Oh, that is really, really good. Yeah. Well done, man. Well done. Yeah, think of a, I was trying to think well, of a Well, I was wrong. Because I was thinking like, you know, I was you know up about a decade. strange love. And then, <laughs> and then when you said controversial... Of course. 
Ah, yeah, controversial. I was thinking Clockwork Orange, but no, it's Lolita. Lolita because after, yeah. after I said Malcolm, I was like, wait a second, that was in the 70s. There's yeah. no way he was around in the and 60s. You already said Lolita earlier in the yeah. show. I know, I know. Wow. What about it's that? It's funny how this thing just keeps coming together. It's almost yeah, yeah. like I try. Thank <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was good. Uh, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, uh, we have a little bit of time. Um, anything anybody's going to watch quickly? Uh, in the cinema soon. Um, probably, I should watch Pitch Perfect. I want to see Tomorrowland. Very yeah, soon. Tomorrowland's good. I Ooh, yeah. Okay, soon. I've seen the trailer, so I'm not sure about that one. And I want to see the Moomins on the Riviera. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's about the Moomins on the Riviera. I think what you said about Tomorrowland, you've seen the trailer and you're not sure. I think that's the point. Yes. <laughs> I think everyone's seen the trailer and nobody is sure. Because it doesn't tell you the whole story. And that's that, what I like That's about. quite refreshing, isn't yeah. it? That you uh, don't get I'm the whole the story. Money and, it. and it would be good for a few people to call in and then we can discuss some of their movies. Yeah, it would well, be good. I, I, took the, I took the number down, so I might call in next week. Yeah, it, would, <laughs> sounds good. it would be good for next week. Okay, so in that time, please uh, get well soon, get home, watch some movies, and remember that they do not make them like they used to.